Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Seems we sort of broke down along that yellow brick road. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. Beside me, as always, Ben Durant. And Ben, we have a special guest on the phone. Yes, Francine, the lucid dream. Hey, Francine. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Anytime. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, maybe a few yeah, months. Yeah, it's been a few months. Yeah. More than a few months, actually. You had said to us once that Wild at Heart was uh, your favorite Lynch film. I did say that, yeah. And it's not a... Uh, I don't... I think it's the most common favorite for Lynch fans. Um, I, you know, a lot of people say Blue Velvet or Mulholland Drive, uh, and I love those movies. But uh, Wild at Heart, I don't know, it just really strikes me. It's a little bit different from a lot of Lynch's other films, but uh, I don't know. It just appeals to me. The day that this comes out will be August 17th, and is, that'll be exactly 26 years ago that the film was released. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> I thought it was a good time to talk about Wild at Heart. Anniversary. Anniversary. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we start with Brian, just because, Brian, you've never seen this film before, and you're still, you still get to be the newbie. And I am. What did you think of this film? Okay, my, my initial reaction was, I love Nicolas Cage, and this was pure Nicolas Cage magic. <laughs> um, yep. I, I, like, I didn't get some of the stuff, obviously. Why did he go between normal and then Elvis? This is a love story, a road trip love story but what i gravitated towards it was the wizard of oz theme you okay honey oh that woman's laugh creeps me out sounds like something i heard before sound like the wiki witch so the Wizard of Oz references. From doing Twin Peaks, I've been told David Lynch is a huge Wizard of Oz fan. Yes. I think Lola is Dorothy, okay? I think the road trip is is the yellow brick road going to California. I like that. Um, Mm-hmm. To freedom, to her freedom, or whatever they think freedom is. They don't really know yet. Like, she doesn't. She's, t- like, 20 in, in this movie. Um, Nicholas Cage is a little bit older, but to her, it's freedom. I think Bobby Peru and the other hitmen remind me of the Flying Monkeys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're nothing more mm-hmm. than uh, cannon fodder. I mean, they don't pose real threats, but they do move these two characters' story forward in an interesting way. The mom. Oh, Marietta Fortune? She's yeah. She's the evil. I mean, I would consider her the evil witch. Cheryl Lee shows up as the good witch. Nicholas Cage, he's the sailor. He plays the sailor. Here's where my theory about him 
goes into the Wizard of Oz theory. I think <laughs> I think he's the lion, I think he's the scarecrow, and I think he's the tin man all wrapped into one. And he finds all three things in this movie. Hmm. So uh, okay. Okay. So I think he finds his courage. Um, at the end of the movie. I mean, he can find all three of these things. You can interpret it different ways, but this is the way I did anyway. Um, at the very end of the movie, um, when he has to face either being with his new son and maybe wife, you know, it's his girlfriend, but, or, and he turns around and he faces this, this gang, these gang. And I, I think it's almost like he realizes he can't survive by himself. He needs to be with mm-hmm. her or someone. He can't survive in this world without her because these guys took him down. So I think this is his courage moment. Um, and also he gets punched in the nose. And when he ter- comes back, his nose is so big and his hair is so scruffy. He kind of looks like the cowardly lion, I almost feel like. And it's interesting. I noticed he gave his son a stuffed lion. When he first meets his son, he, he gives him a stuffed lion. Um so I also feel like that's um, – and then, you know, Shirley says, love, you can't, you can't turn away on love. So I think this is a, his courage moment. He finds yeah, his – Courage to commit, right? Yeah, or, courage right. to commit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't realize I, He definitely has any problem with physically uh, courage. And You're stuff. right, I mean, courage. He, can, he yeah. can kill people or beat people up, but it, I guess when it comes to commitment, maybe there's more courage needed. Yeah, so but that's better said. Yeah. Um, he finds his brains – um, I think the moment when Bobby Prue shoots off his own head and he's laying there and the cop is like, put up your, you know, surrender. And he does it. He doesn't fight back. And I feel like this is when he realizes, man, I, I can't get in too deep. I'm, and he knows she's pregnant. You know, like this is not good. Like, right. And I, th- I feel like this is when he finds his brains. Um, and then he finds his heart. I think he finds his heart for uh, Lula. After hearing about Bobby Peru, it's like, I talked to your your girl. She told me you have a family on the way. And he seemed jealous. Like, he was kind of pissed. Like, what do you mean you talked to her? Why were you talking to her? And it's almost like he was he felt threatened, like that Bobby Peru could have taken his girlfriend. Hmm. Granted, we had that weird scene. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that shows that he was truly in love with her and he even said it before i missed your brains when he got out of jail um but i mean i kind of feel like that was a a defining moment for him like oh my god uh another guy could have been with my my girl i don't want that Mm -hmm. like you almost like you know so i kind of feel like sailor to me is all three of those characters that's my theory like i really dug into the whole wizard of oz theme that's cool. It's so, funny because the way you're talking, it makes me feel, seem like the, a sailor would be Dorothy. I mean, isn't he the one that's going on this trip? And, and maybe that's a, in a way, he's coming home to uh, to Lula. There, that's but, hey, you could flip it too. I don't know. Wow. But, yeah. No, that's I didn't true because she was the one who ran away, and he's the one who's always trying to put a little bit of distance. Yeah. Between them, that's interesting. You know, it's funny because I, I I've obviously been very aware of the uh, the Wizard of Oz references in this movie. But I guess I've seen it so many times that the story functions without it. And that's partially because David Lynch, that's all David Lynch. Um, the mm. Barry Gifford novel didn't have anything to do with Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. This is purely David Lynch's edition, which I think works in this film somehow. It, it's kind of bizarre and it adds that like mystical quality to like an otherwise linear and somewhat straightforward 
plot line. Yeah. Or it's linear, you know, compared to uh, most of Lynch's work anyway. But yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it as, as a sailor representing those specific characters, but that's an interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, even what you said, Ben, like, even if you flipped it, it works. Yeah. And, um... Yeah. Like... There were so weird moments in this movie, though. It's so weird, like, when that guy is talking with a high-pitched voice. Do you guys know why these things happen, or just... Well, I found... I've been watching the DVD, and I watched the the short documentary that's included in the special features. Uh, So they talked to him, and that's... uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of the the actor's name, but I believe he was in um, Elephant Man as well. And he, there was a, it was a much longer scene that got cut, but that one, the part about him talking about pigeons and how they're filthy, he actually asked David Lynch that in post they wanted to uh, pitch up his voice. So I, I don't think that was originally intended. They did it after the fact. I'm not sure why, but it, but it does, that is the point when you start feeling like, okay, so far, you know, some weird things have happened, some things that aren't like, wouldn't happen in normal life, like, you know, like a band tossing. Nick Cage the <laughs> the mic so he can sing an Elvis song. Yeah. Like that was a little weird, but it wasn't outside the realm of like it couldn't happen. But you know, then all of a sudden this man has a strange voice, and then in the later scene uh, with Marietta, you're in the you're in the same club, and you see the uh, the strange woman dancing with her fingers wiggling in the light, and you mm. you get a sense that there's something magical about her. You don't know what. I mean, it's like kind of probably a reference to. Um, the munchkins in <laughs> in the wizard of oz yeah but yeah that's definitely all those things kind of make this turn it from just simply a very gifford novel to this is clearly a work by david lynch that actor's name is a uh, freddie jones i mean the munchkins have these pitched voice so in a way that's it kind true. of goes with a, yes <laughs> a yeah similar voice i didn't even think about that yeah so that i mean yeah yeah what do you guys think about bobby peru's character he is one of the worst, but also my favorite villain. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably of all of Lynch's work, but and just villains in general. But it's he's such a twisted character. He's tough because he has this very charming side to him mm. when he wants to be charming, and and that makes him even almost a little bit more frightening in a way. Because there's a moment of like, oh, you know, he can get people to trust him, even though even though your instincts are saying, no, don't trust this guy. He can he can work his own, you know, weird, terrible magic on you in his own way. I'll be honest. That was an, I mean, it was a weird moment. It's an awkward, but it's just him saying, fuck me, fuck me, over and over again. And I'm like, what is he trying to do? And then when she says it, he's like, okay. Someday, honey, I will. But I gotta get going. Not now. And he leaves. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. And, but then when I saw what he was doing to Sailor's character, you know, he was really messing with everybody mentally. Mm. Um, Absolutely. He, yeah, yeah. He's playing, he's playing it's head It's part of an over. overall plan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he had that specific plan, like from the very beginning. He, he's just one of those characters that he's just so evil and he's just feeding his own needs the whole time and he doesn't really care how he does it. it it's all it's all just some kind of like weird game to him. It seems mm-hmm. like emotions and stability don't really matter to him anymore, it seems like, in this world. Yeah. But I love this character because in this movie, it starts off the movie, you think maybe the mother is kind of the villain because she's, you know, against. Lula and Sailor being together. Then you meet uh, the next villain, uh, Marcelo Santos, and you're like, oh, this is the villain. He's terrible. He's a mm. horrible hitman. And you think he's going to be the villain. But then you meet Bobby Peru, and he is 
it's, I think he's the worst villain <laughs> out of all of them. Yeah, definitely. Just builds that way. Yeah, Francine, you've already brought up that there, there was a book by uh, Barry Gilford. The backstory on this is Monty Montgomery, friends with Lynch. He actually is the guy yes. who plays the cowboy in Lost Highway. And he was actually um, right. a, he was a producer uh, for the pilot of Twin Peaks, co-created... Uh, the Hotel Room, which is a HBO three oh, miniseries. Yeah. So he's he's close friends with Lynch. So, anyways, he he asked uh, Barry Guilford, "Oh, what are you working on?" And he said, "Oh, I'm working on this manuscript for Wild at Heart." And so he's you know putting a book together and he's reading about it. And so he goes to Lynch. This is a uh, uh, Monty. He goes to Lynch and says, "Hey, I'd like you to be executive producer on on a film. I'll direct it. You could look at it and you can help me work on this film." <laughs> And Lynch says, Lynch basically says, well, what if I fall in love with this? Then? And, it's like, and I think Monty says, so then you can direct it and I'll, ha- I'll help you out. And so, and so yeah, if, sure enough, Lynch does fall in love with the film. And this is, people think that uh, Lynch actually directed this during uh, the second season of Twin Peaks. But it actually was between the pilot and in the first season. Right. Working on the first Because it came out in 1990. Yep. Yeah, it came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. I think the su- yeah. summer yeah. of 1990. Yeah. Like that. So that's a little known fact I wanted to share. And it was great to see like Twin Peaks cast members. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, there are a lot of them in there. Eric DeRay, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah. who plays Leo Johnson in Twin Peaks. Right. Um, he's listed as one of the casting assistants right. in Wild at Heart. But yeah, there are a lot of characters. Brisky, Cheryl Lee, Sherilyn Fenn, Jack Nance, of course. Yeah, so many. So Harry Dean Stanton was in Firewalk with me. We, we, yeah. yep. David Patrick Kelly, who played Jerry Horn. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think we were said Jack Nance. Francine Bay, Mrs. Tremond. And then Ed Wright, he plays the bank manager who brings the water. Yes, to I recognize yes. him. I'm sorry. I must have overlooked this. I'm truly sorry, madam. But it's interesting, yeah. both of these characters didn't come in until the second season of Twin Peaks. He put them in, in, in Wild at Heart and then said, hey, I, I have a small part for you in Twin <laughs> Peaks. You know, I believe uh, Calvin Lockhart, who plays Reggie in this film, was also in, I can't remember who was Firewalk Mirror. I think it was Twin Peaks, uh, hmm. the, the television show. That's awesome. And Frank Silva plays Bob. He was a prop master. Nice. Were you guys yep. as freaked mm-hmm. out um, about seeing Grace uh, Zabriskie, <laughs> Sarah, uh, Sarah Palmer, Sarah Palmer as Juan Durango. <laughs> um, I'd never want to see her like that. <laughs> I, she needs to be Sarah Palmer, yeah. or she needs to be George Costanza's his wife's parents forever in my mind seeing yeah. her in that way in that light it was so bizarre for me and i heard there was yeah, a deleted was a... sex scene or something she has there or... was yeah apparently people walked out during test screenings of the film and david lynch who usually is not very compromising he uh i think he realized you know we need to cut Somebody, he's yeah, so, part of the scene. Yeah. yeah, so the first screening that Lynch was there, he says that 80 people walked out, supposedly 100 people walked out oh the my. second screening. And so they did They did edit that. Yeah, you know, do you guys feel that? I didn't add to it. It didn't add. I mean, it's interesting to see, but I'm glad there was no sex scene with her Oh, I, because it just... It's just weird. I don't I, like. I, I don't yeah, know. if you know her, Sarah Palmer. Yeah. I love Grace Abriski. She's one of like those classic, mm. you know, you know, Lynch actors who just transforms. I mean, if, I don't know if you've seen Inland Empire yet, but she's got a pretty, not quite as twisted role, but she, <laughs> she can play off pretty disturbing when she needs to. <laughs> 
Nice. Yeah, we're going to watch that in the next, future. Next month. Next month we're yeah. watching it. Next month. That'll be the awesome. 10th anniversary of in- Inland Empire, so we'll be checking that out then. Um, uh, so Excellent. What was the defining moment? I mean, this is pretty straightforward, so I'm sure if I ask this, we'll all have the same answer. The defining moment of all of a sudden their happy-go-lucky uh, road trip comes to a screeching halt when they run into Cheryl Fenn. I can't find it. My mother's going to kill me. It's got it's got all my cards in it, and, and it wasn't my packet. No, my pocket's gone. Do you think they saw this as a bad omen? Yeah, I think Lula definitely sees it as some sort of omen. I mean, that's a pretty random and disturbing thing to come across, especially mm-hmm. when you're on this highway where like nothing, you see nothing for miles at a time, and all of a sudden to come at that particular moment right when she loses her life. And I remember that when I first saw that was probably the most haunting scene. Uh, mm. Especially, you know, I also knew her at the time as Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks, so I was excited to see her have this, you know, somewhat of a cameo in this movie. But it was so disturbing. It was so short, but it was such a sad, almost beautiful moment, uh, the last moment of her life, but horribly disturbing. Mm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think there were, there were a few things that happened like around the same time that just like turn the movie it's from them having this you know like you said happy-go-lucky road trip and all of a sudden things take a turn for the worse and and things are all of a sudden very unsure and you know i I don't know why but you know i think um sailor decides to tell i can't remember if it's just before just after um about his involvement with uh lula's father and how you know know he knows a lot of things that she's previously unaware of because she's she's such a uh, even though she's very obviously like sexually active, she's such an innocent character. She mm-hmm. at the beginning she she just thinks like her mom, you know, is just overprotective. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. She's kind of clueless, or she hasn't really seen the world yet. She's been very protected her whole life. And now I'm thinking, I've been thinking about why this movie really appeals to me, and uh, I think this movie strikes me a lot because I am the only child, the only daughter of a, a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like, I mean, my relationship with my mother is very different from uh, the, you know, Lula and Marietta's, but, but that always intrigued me. That very, like, it's a very unique and close relationship. And I don't know if you guys, you, I hope to talk about Diane Ladd and how, you know, their real mother-daughter team acting in this movie, which which I think makes it even more special. It does. Or weird, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about the uh, the lipstick, her putting it all over her face? Yeah. Oh my god! That's, I mean, yeah, that's another standout scene. You can't forget that. <laughs> that was another. That's another Lynch's. I really want to read the book because <laughs> clearly David Lynch had a lot of things. You ever hear that phrase like you're, she's so you're so mad your face is red or whatever? I'm like, mm. is this supposed to be literal? Yeah. Like a literal sense of she's just so pissed her face is red, but it was her lipstick. She just kept going and going. I always had my own theories on that, and just you know, I, just, I mean, just clearly seemed like she's uh, she's beginning to lose her mind she's like a men- yeah. she's mentally unstable and this is kind of like her private way of showing it yeah. to the audience um but she, yeah I, but i heard on um, Diane talk about that and she said like you know that she kind of came up with the way you know working with lynch of course but she kind of came up with the way she wanted to do it whereas like you know she's first she puts it on her wrist like she's thinking about committing suicide but mm. then she puts it on her lips and then it gets bigger and bigger like she's just like desperately trying to be pretty and uh you know like the obsessiveness to be pretty um oh, becomes yeah. like a, another thing that she's doing mm. and I, I think you see that a lot like in, like almost every 
every single scene, she has like a different wig and different nails. Mm. She's definitely mm. very concerned with her appearance and, and how she presents herself to the world and wants to present herself as some kind of like movie star, which mm. is another seems to be another Lynchian theme. But yeah, that character is fascinating. <laughs> and yeah. that scene with the lipstick is is so iconic. And I was kind of made me think of she was like the Wicked Witch in some way. Yeah, like she's, I mean, yeah. if she had green lipstick, oh, it would yeah, be perfect. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if her face was completely green, yeah. she would have been the Wicked Witch. Well, yeah. In the very ending of the movie, she gets defeated. Like she, you physically see her disappear. Like the Wicked Witch was defeated. When she yelled at her mom for the first time, mm. like, you know, just leave mm-hmm. me alone, basically. And I kind of feel like she cut the ta- that, that umbilical cord from her mom, finally. Mm-hmm. And the boyfriend's like, mm-hmm. that's it. I hang up the bad boy. I'm all yours. And that almost de- love, in the end, defeated the Wicked Witch, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what I got out of that. Yeah. Like, physically, yeah. you saw her disappear. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there are definitely some obvious ties uh, from Marietta to the Wicked Witch um, throughout the whole movie, So, which I think was a pretty interesting choice for Lynch. That was thunder, in case you could hear that. Oh, um, man. There's, there's really, like, a major storm flying through here. Unre- sorry, unrelated to this. Um, although it makes, it makes me think of David Lynch's um, weather reports. Yes. website. Do you guys remember that from, from years ago? Yeah, from Ben was telling me. <laughs> was, yeah, I I was yeah. a member of of the website, the the davidlynch.com website, and he would you, you would log in and he would he maybe there'd be a video for today and he would just he would give the weather report. Like and the thing was I think he was inside and he would like look up and it's like it's going to be uh raining today. And it's like how do you know you're inside? So you could do that today for Francine. You can end like the podcast exactly. off, like it's raining. Oh. <laughs> Okay, we have that car accident. Briefly, mm-hmm. at the very end, when she's driving with her uh, son, she sees a, another motorcycle accident. What did you guys right. get out of that? Yeah. Was that sort of like, oh, another accident? I'm going to ignore this bad omen? Like, maybe I shouldn't pay attention to these sort of things? I mean, what did you guys get out of I mean, Why did that have to happen? Was it? What do you think was trying to show the character, or was it just nothing? I don't know what I got out of that. No, I mean, there's, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a tie. I mean, David Lynch is obsessed with car crashes and head injuries. Like, mm. I feel like there's a head injury in, like, every single thing <laughs> yeah. he's ever done. Um, but, but yeah, there's definitely a correlation there. I don't know exactly what he's trying to say, except that, I mean, I guess it's like you you come to, you go through the path of life, whatever you're going through, and you, you get signs all the time, whether they're, mystical signs or obvious or just like little things saying like oh i can go this way or this way i mean i guess that is another wizard of oz reference yeah. i guess as well yeah. you know, which path to go down but at the end of the day you're going to make that decision you know all these things are going to happen to you you make the decision whether you're going to be with a person or not are you going to stick with them through the thick and thin you know it's even though things are getting tough or are you going to walk away and sometimes life guides you you know, hopefully in the right direction. <laughs> Sometimes right. it tries to push you another way. Um, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's tough. You have to, I guess you have to listen to your guts or sometimes you have to get beaten up by a gang and have uh, <laughs> Cheryl Lee pop down and, <laughs> and actually set you straight. <laughs> yeah, a- yeah I, I, I guess if life was that easy, she, you know, she just shows up, <laughs> do this. Maybe that motorcycle accident caused the traffic, which allowed him to reach them. Yeah. 
that's I just yeah, thought about that right point, now. Too, yeah. it, as I think that did cause the traffic, but I never thought of that as the reason why or part of the reason why he's able to catch back up with her. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe, that make maybe they think it's a bad omen, but it's actually something that keeps them together. Yeah, because mm. if the accident didn't happen, traffic would have been fine. She would have went Good and point. he would have never caught up to her because right. she was in gridlock. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow. yeah. oh, conveniently. But I, I guess I was thinking way too much in that second accident. Also because they have a guy <laughs> drive up to the guy laying on the ground and he says, I've been there, buddy. It just happened to me last week. <laughs> yeah. And his arms all messed up. And I'm like, <laughs> It took me out of the, the the moment. I'm like, what? That's kind of funny. And I shouldn't be laughing at this, yes. but it was humorous. And then then I was like, am I overthinking yeah. this? I know. There's so many quirky moments like that in the film. Like, there's uh, not to stray off topic from that, but like Mr. Reindeer, who is yeah. another, he's kind of, I guess he's kind of a villain, but he's kind of like the suave man mm. in the movie. But you see him and he's, he's like this rich, powerful guy and, Actually, right now I, ha- I have it playing in the background. He's just, you know, taking a phone call, like planning like a, a hit on a on a human being, mm. and then they they're on a tight shot of him, and then all of a sudden they do a wide shot, and you see that he's sitting on a toilet with his pants down, but yes. watching this like beautiful topless girl dancing. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yes, that. It, and that... It's, so funny. So bizarre. So weird, but so funny. Yeah, yeah. There's moments like that. And the other guy, who's, was he sitting on a throne-like thing, and he had two topless girls next to him? This, the- yeah, they're two topless girls, and they're and they're they're complaining to you. They're talking about some, uh, some bitch stole my brush or something. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, sh- you know, and and one of them is holding, I think, like on a tray, like a bottle, of, like looks like Pepto Bismol or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he asked them to, you know, Shh, be quiet. He has to make a phone call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> phone is ringing. <laughs> <laughs> it is just weird. Yeah. Lynch moments. And it did remind me a little bit Mulholland Drive. Um, some Twin Peaks. I thought of, I thought of um, Nicholas Cage Sailor. He reminded me a lot of what Bobby could be. Uh, kind mm. of Bobby-esque. You know, yeah. that cool guy. Yeah, he's got, well, he's got the... More the, James the, Dean. Yeah. Where Nicholas Cage is more Elvis. And, I mean, you guys know the history of why did David Lynch have a thing for Elvis to say, I want you to really get into this Elvis mode? I mean, what was the whole history behind the Elvis? Yeah, I mean, I think David Lynch was, well, he, he talked about having this idea for having them be like these like pure like American... Icon. So Elvis oh. was Sailor, and Lula was more of like a Marilyn type character. Okay. Um, you know, she's just so like ultra sexual and, and feminine um, and just glamorous, where, you know, Sailor's kind of like, like, he's got some swagger. He's a little bit of a tough guy, but, but very charming, especially with the ladies. And his obsession with Elvis, which, mm. um, just to bring up another topic, is a little bit off topic, but I was thinking about how, you know, so many things like, uh, especially Twin Peaks has affected, influenced other directors. So you, and you can see it in TV shows and, and films that came out after Twin Peaks came out. But then I was thinking about Wild at Heart, and just a few years later um, came out another movie that's one of my favorites, which is True Romance. Have you yeah. guys seen that? Yes. With, yes. Uh, Tarantino, yeah, right? Or Christian you at least Slater, wrote it. Patricia, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, Tarantino wrote it. Um, it's Patricia Arquette, Christian Slater, and a bunch of amazing cast. But it's a, I was thinking about it. Christian Slater character is obsessed with Elvis, and mm. and Patricia Arquette's character is very like a kind of feminine, kind of a little bit of a ditzy blonde, but but kind of like a sexy white trash kind of feel the same way like Lula is. Mm. 
Um, they're both two kids going cross country, being chased down by, you know, this like evil drug dealer or the people who work with them. And they're both kind of innocent in many ways. But the striking thing was the obsession with Elvis, right? The, the both, both of the male characters. Mm. So, I mean, I never really thought of that until this week. I watched both of these movies pretty recently, but yeah. interesting. I mean, I think there's some, some some pretty clear connections. So there's two songs uh, from Elvis, "Love Me," and then at the end of the movie, yes. "Love Me Tender," and they're both Elvis songs. And that mm-hmm. whole thing where he got beat up, I felt like he looked more like Elvis with his nose. That's a big that's a good yep. I, yeah. So I yeah. there's definitely a couple. Of, yeah, I mean, the Elvis nose thing, and then when I went to the Wizard of Oz, I'm like, he does look like the Kyrie Lion with the big <laughs> nose. That was not Nicolas Cage singing, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, I my was. God. It was. Yeah. It was him. You he, blew my mind. Yeah, I think movie. that might have been why, or part of the reason why he was cast for this, because he had a nice voice that mm. they could use for that recording. Oh, man. And, and that was Lynch's, Lynch's first pick were these two actors. So he had nobody else in mind. That is awesome. I mean, it makes me love Nicolas Cage even more. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but Nicolas Cage, I love it. I think you kind of said this earlier, but he's just like at his best here. It's like post like Raising Arizona yeah. and uh, even like Peggy Sue, which is another great film. Yep. You know, kind of like the quirkiness he had from the 80s. Mm-hmm. But it was this was still before he kind of went a little... Uh, cliche blockbuster mode which yeah, uh, I'm yeah. not a huge fan of it's kind of in the middle when he, he has that kind of like cool swagger but still that quirkiness that everyone loves yeah um, I, that's what I think yeah, he's at his best great. yeah like that kind of yeah. stuff like I don't really care about the national treasures or any of that kind of stuff no. but like his movies that are offbeat that's where Nicolas Cage kind of shines yeah. And he would say yeah. that, that uh, Lynch gave him kind of the freedom to just have fun. I think sometimes mm. he was so serious and, and, and trying to be, uh, like, into the character, sometimes he wasn't having fun. And I think Lynch really let let loose let him let, let loose a little bit. So Yeah, I mean, I kind of think yeah. they picked the right guy. I couldn't imagine anyone else yeah. in it. They have such good chemistry, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. And yeah. It, this is such a... Another reason I love this film is it's it's such an overly sexual film. Hmm. It's really, I mean, the sex scenes are pretty intense, and you, you can't pull that off unless you have two actors who are, well, great actors, number one, but they have to have some sort of chemistry for that to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did read that Laura Dern Lynch wanted her to take a drag. There was a scene where I think either her or Nicolas Cage take a drag of two cigarettes at once, but David, yeah, I read, Cage. yeah. <laughs> David Lynch wanted Laura Dern to do four, and she passed out. <laughs> oh my! And like he, w- she woke up with him, like really concerned about her. And obviously, I don't. Oh think, really? I don't think there was a scene like that. But no. she. Um, yeah, no. I know that Sailor uh, takes two cigarettes after he learns that Lil is pregnant. But I'm, yeah, they must have cut the uh, four cigarette scene. <laughs> which, which is so awesome. I mean, it's like, oh my god, I'm having a kid, yeah. and he's like two cigarettes now. Yeah. I want to talk. Perfect reaction. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to talk about the most interesting scene with Crispin Glover. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, he that you know these little like little tiny short stories about someone else. These little flashbacks, mm-hmm. or you know, of just just side character we'll never see again. And it was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping to hear it more, but I love like what was he his little story. He's like me. He is excessive compulsiveness, right? And his wife comes down. He's making all these sandwiches. Was it, was it his wife or is his mom? His mom. <laughs> is it his mom? I think I his think name is Dell. Dell. Yeah. He yeah. plays Dell, and and she's like, "What are you? I'm just trying to make lunch." And he has all these sandwiches <laughs> out of place. And 
Oh, it was so funny. Yeah. It was it, something went up his butt or were they cockroaches? <laughs> cockroaches. Yeah, the cockroach. He yeah. put it. Yeah, he put a, a cockroach right on his anus. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> Which, uh, well, a couple things, but I, I, I haven't really been talking about um, burlesque much. Obviously, you guys know I, I do the David Lynch burlesque show, The Pink Room in New York City, and we've had, actually, we've had two different performers, Gemini Rising and Matt Knife, who've both done Jingle Dale hmm. <laughs> acts. Which both of them were just brilliant, and as you can imagine, involved cockroaches and lunchtime. But, uh. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my favorite characters, and it doesn't it doesn't push the story any further. It has really nothing to do with Sailor hmm. and Lula, yeah. except that I think, and even though it's such a weird story, and this kind of holds true, at least I think of like a lot of David Lynch's work. It's like these weird things that happen that. On film, you think like, oh, this could never happen. This is so weird. But these are the weird things that happen in our lives that you tell someone you're close to mm-hmm. when you're lying around in bed or like hanging out with a friend. It's like, oh, let me tell you this weird thing that my cousin did once or like, you know, something like that. Yeah, that you, you know, you probably don't post like in this day and age, you wouldn't post on Facebook. You probably wouldn't tell it to your coworkers. You don't tell, mm. tell these weird stories yeah. to the people you're closest to. And that actually in a way kind of defines the most important relationships in your life. It's like not, I wouldn't call that a secret necessarily, but it's just like those little things that happen in life that mm. aren't really discussed, but you share with people who are close to you. I think that's what makes Lynch's films as weird as they are. For me, it makes them believable mm, because there are these point, yeah. genuine like human interactions and people just dealing with like the weirdness of day to day life. Dale disappeared. Nobody's seen him since. It's too bad he couldn't visit that old Wizard of Oz and get some good advice. Too bad we all can't, baby. That just made me think, but I really felt like these these two characters are equals. I feel like, you know, I don't know, this... So many other characters, you know, feel like, oh, the man is dominant or, or, or but I feel like in this yeah, movie, they felt very much equals in their own way. And they kind of like, I guess, I mean, just what you're saying and how they, they talk to each other and they interact and mm-hmm. uh, Sailor will talk about like, oh, my jacket and, you know, it, it's it's my identity or something like that. And it's like, yeah, you've told me that 50 times or something. It just seems like they have a mm-hmm. playful way about. And he doesn't have a parental advice. He, he's had the lack of a parental um, yeah. parents, you know, growing guidance, up. Yeah. Guidance, parental guidance. Yeah, yeah, that's what he uses. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, they're all, they're like two broken people. But I think together they're uh, a whole. Mm. Like they 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 complement yeah. each other, right? Um, I kind of get like they both have their issues, but together they don't. They know that about each other, but they're fine with it. They're like that's who you yeah. are. They accept each other for who they are. Mm. Yeah, and even though there's obviously the focus on the the sex scenes and their sexual chemistry, there's way more than that. And he even says, you know, I can't remember the exact line in one of the scenes when they're having their like pillow talk. You know, I re- like I really did miss the way the way your mind works, Lula. Mm, yeah. Something about that. Um, awesome. yep. You know, when he was at PD, the prison. You know, it's just like these two quirky minds, and it's like it's you know, it's in this world, it's hard to find someone who mm. you can just be vulnerable in front of and like let your I guess in many terms, let your freak flag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your freak flag hang, fly. Hang yeah. up high, cry. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, and so. I, 
I think that's what makes them uh, relatable. You could look at it, is it a toxic relationship at all? Would you consider them a toxic relationship? Would you go that direction or no? Mm, I wouldn't, no. no. I mean, no. I mean, th- clearly they probably should have been using protection because neither of them were really <laughs> excited about the pregnancy. Yeah, that's true. And she was smoking um, a lot. But, you know, people make mistakes. And, yeah, and, and she smoked. she's smoking while pregnant, which, you know, but, you know, let's not get hung up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have real human problems, as everyone does. Yeah. Um, they're obviously caught up in each other. But in a weird way, like, considering all the madness that's going on, they kind of have their wits about themselves. That's true. But, like, you know, Sailor obviously makes mistakes he you know but he did it you know he makes his mistakes like when he's under like an intense amount of pressure Mm, you know he's got no he's got no money and his the love of his life is pregnant and he's got to do something and he's being manipulated by this person or you know Mm. he he commits a not murder but manslaughter in the beginning of the movie yeah Uh, but that was set up for him like he had been threatened already he knew that someone was out to take his life so he, he just didn't hesitate. Someone could look at, it, at that as a mistake, and it probably was, but he also saved his own life and probably Lula's. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't look at it as a toxic relationship either. But I just want to know if anybody yeah. thought that way. I don't think so. I feel like, yeah. I feel no. like the environment around them is toxic. Yeah, yeah. And they're just trying to survive this toxic world that we live in, I think. But. And. I almost look at it like the first half, like, you know, they take off and they're almost each other's distraction in life where they're distracting each other from realities. And then when that car accident happens, I kind of feel like, oh, reality's creeping up on us. Hmm. We can't distract each other forever. And then when the pregnancy, that's like, oh, shit, reality just hit us. So it's right. almost like they're like she's she could be like. I'm away from my mom, who's overbearing. I'm, you know, on a road mm-hmm. trip. I'm 20. I'm, you know, and then he's like, I have problems, but I can just go on this road trip with you and distract myself. And then they hit those moments in life where you got to wake up and um, you got to be adult, I guess. I, I'd love to talk about the music video. About there's a music. There's two music videos what? of Wild at Heart and Wicked Games. Chris Isaac. Yes, yes, yes. The, Which, one, I, yeah. the one, the most famous one is there's a, almost a naked woman on the beach and it's like wicked games. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and David Lynch also did another one which was just um, clips of the film and stuff where he, oh, okay. he did that. But, oh, okay. But it's interesting to see that there was two music videos and the thing that there's Chris Isaac who does this song and then later on he yeah. he'll do Firewalk with Me's uh, Chet, Chet Desmond. Desmond. Yeah. And to put it all full full circle, um, I know, Francine, you posted something. I believe you saw Silencio as well in New York. Yes. Yes. Silencio Band. They're amazing. Yes. I saw them at La Poisson Rouge just the other night. We saw them the night before in New York State's Kingston. Kingston. Yep. And uh, a little plug, we'll be airing our Silencio show at the end of the month. And... It's weird. I was working, editing that episode. I heard a song that's an original that resemb- that has that wicked game feel. Mm. Yeah. Uh, was it was I? Well, they might have had a different set list for your show, but I actually did. There was, I think, in the first set in the New York City show. I'll have to ask uh, 
Kirk, who's the band leader, mm. um, which one that was. But yeah, they they do a lot of you know they do a, a lot of covers of you know Lynch and Angela Badalamenti songs. But yeah, it's magnificent. I'll have to find out which song that was. Yeah, I saw your photos, and uh, we we didn't get the movies in the background no we didn't get that got, yeah. you got the special treatment we didn't get it <laughs> but it was still an amazing performance yeah, it, was. it was something else yeah yeah and yeah think, they're spectacular i think like chris isaac's guitar, guitar was in the second album yeah he said the guitarist yeah the i guitarist, think you're right yeah. yeah yeah so it's like all full circle it, it all was meant to be. Yeah. It's like a lunch uh, I will say this. I can't say this enough. Silencio is a top-notch band and uh, such a treat if you're, I mean, for anyone who appreciates music, but especially oh. if you're a fan of the works of David Lynch or Angelo Bettelmenti. Um, they're really, they're just very talented musicians. Uh, Dessa, the vocalist, is mm. a talented vocalist in her own right, but also she's just, she's gorgeous. And she just absolutely fits the role of, you know the neo noir yeah. goddess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go and say it. She's, yeah. she's a goddess. Yeah. Let's face it. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, yeah. gorgeous and wonderful and sweet, but she just plays that part perfectly in their band. Yeah, and we everybody will get to hear them on our podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're gonna have a special show with them. It's exciting. So, yeah, yeah, very and exciting. I would definitely recommend everybody see them yeah. live. Oh, There's nothing God. like seeing them live. Yeah. I mean, what a what a performance. Mm-hmm. Back to Wild at Heart. Back to Wild at Heart. Yeah, well, the heart. You mentioned deleted scenes. I guess that, so. There's this. There's this David Lynch lime green box. Oh, yeah. I want to get it. I can't believe I don't have it. But it has like a lot of stuff from the website and other yep. stuff. But it has 32 deleted and extended scenes from Wild at Heart. But the I, DVDs don't that we bought. Really? No. Oh. No, no, but this, but this was, I, think this, <laughs> I think this was only sold on David Lynch's website. And oh, now, okay. if you want to get it, like eBay, it's oh. over a hundred dollars. It yeah. has like a collection of mm. David Lynch films, and one of them has Wild at Heart. And it's the thing is, it's a, a surviving oh. work print, so it's not in the best quality. But it's still, I gotta get uh-huh. my hands on it one of these days just to see all this. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy all of them uh, off the internet before you release this podcast, so that <laughs> I can snag them all up. <laughs> no, no. So it's called the Green um, Lime Box, I believe. That's amazing. Yeah, lime, lime, yes, green. I, lime green. I know that the original cut of this movie had. If you're familiar with the. You know, Bobby Peru's fate at the end, there was a much more graphic version of that decapitation that they had to cut because they probably, probably like the Grace the Brief scene, they just thought it was a little bit too much for, um, certainly, certainly for American audiences, but also I think they, uh, even recently in the UK, they're, their current releases of this DVD, they have that part of it cut out. And I feel yeah. like, I feel like so when I, I saw it on VHS, it. I thought it, when I, I probably saw it on VHS. Maybe ninety four or so, maybe ninety four, uh-huh. and I swear that was more graphic. So maybe they they did. Yeah, put out that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did see that because I remember it. <laughs> it was explosive. Now when I watch it, it happens so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, wasn't there more? So yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw the original version years, years right. ago when it first came out. I mean, it was pretty graphic. I saw like a chunk of his head land in his on the ground, and even the <laughs> the the um the poor guys. The, the guys who get shot with the shotgun, a dog steals the guy's hand, mm. and the guy's like, you know, you're going to bring it back to the hospital and have it sewed back on. Like blood all on the floor. Yeah, yeah. All swimming. That, that was quirky. Bring up how violent it was. Yeah. That, um, it, there was talk about actually making this X-rated, and it wasn't because of the sex scenes. It was because of the violence, I think, that, that, that there was talk about having to censor this. Yeah. I mean, the sex scenes yeah. were pretty tame. 
Yeah. I just and they actually recycled yeah. one of the scenes too. Like it was like literally the same scene that you like in a really? montage. I should go back and look. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I I felt like it was the same hand thing which you put the you saw her hand oh, okay. in. They used it a couple yeah. times. Um, now that I think about it, we were missing Toto. So seeing the dog with the hand, that could have been a Toto reference. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yes. I, we were not missing Toto, though. I remember thinking you – I had forgotten about that, but I remember thinking that a while ago. Or they – I mean, they do they do mention Toto, actually, uh, in the scene where we first meet Bobby Peru. They do talk yes, about Jack Manson's Jack, character. That's yes. right. Yes. Perhaps you might even picture Toto from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Tell you my dog is always with me. Jack Nance is Toto. And that's true. And wait, can we talk about that scene? Because I love that scene so much. Because first we get to see Bobby Peru for the first time, and he's so wonderfully creepy in this yes. film. Yeah. But there's also the the. the moment before when you see the the large ladies who are shooting the texas style porno like running around in the <laughs> yes. yard in like in like harem attire oh yeah. man but and that if that's not weird enough and this is something like i don't think i really noticed as much years ago because i was so distracted by the naked ladies mm-hmm. that there's a weird cowboy and the guy in a suit walking across the yard huh. and the cowboy is like rubbing his gun like in a very suggestive manner. I missed this. And then you see him again at the end of the scene and they're just like the two of them, the cowboy and the man in the suit are just standing there yes. staring at Nick Cage. Huh. It, and go on. two things, I feel like this kind of goes along with the whole, that whole part of the film where they like, you know, everything's just like kind of falling apart. It's becoming like, very dark and like the magical elements are coming out. But also I think it's like, it reminds me of Mulholland Drive and yes. the cowboy Mulholland Drive. I feel like it's like a, it's like a prototype or something. For, right. <laughs> for yeah. That. yeah. I thought the same thing, but Mulholland Drive yeah. came later and I'm thinking like, yeah. there, there's some elements that remind me of Mulholland Drive. The car accident um, was just like, wow, yeah. wasn't, Audrey Horn. I mean, originally there was going to be a spinoff, Audrey Horn. That was going to be Mulholland Drive. And in Mulholland Drive, there's a car accident where this woman, she, she she forgets her memory. Obviously, this woman just doesn't even know she was in a car accident and she just dies. But it was just similarities. And with the cowboy, Mulholland Drive with the cowboy, yeah, I noticed the same things. I didn't notice the gun thing. Um Oh, yeah, watch it. He's like, he's rubbing his gun and staring at him, and it's very suggestive. <laughs> Maybe they're shooting right. a porno, though, with the ladies. Maybe. Yeah, they might have been involved in it. Yeah. It's funny, Francine. You know, last time you were on, we were doing the Miss Twin Peaks episode yeah. with uh, the guy holding the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the deer. The deer. Oh, yeah. the deer. Suggestively. And, suggestively. Yeah. and now we've got some these guy. Little, hold- <laughs> David Lynch leaves these like, little Easter eggs. I don't know how he comes up with it. I doubt they're, I doubt they're written in. It was just like, hey, oh, we're going to do the scene and uh, make this guy cross and he'll be holding it like he's having sex with a fake deer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, never, never reference that again. We'll never know if that meant anything. It's just like a little, little nugget, little, little precious thing that Lynch left for us. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we're talking about it years later. Yeah. 26 years later. Yeah. <laughs> and if you'd ask him now, if you could, he'd just be like, I don't even remember. Like right. he probably wouldn't remember at all. <laughs> but yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, I, that scene was another tipping moment what you know she, uh lula felt uneasy you know she's like i want to go back would you you know and they both seemed 
out of sorts. And they were strange characters, but interesting characters, though. Hmm. Yeah, and Bobby yeah. Peru, like, his teeth was an Can interesting choice. we talk about his choice. teeth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I know you pause. I'm like, teeth, let's talk about the teeth. Yeah, was that a, uh, a David Lynch thing, or is that a William Dafoe thing? I think that might have... I'm not sure. I'll, I, I really want to read the book. Um, it's in the it book. It might have been in the book. Because, it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I know Lynch is Lynch was like, you know, he he brought on Willem Dafoe and you know just casual phone. I'm like, oh, just happy you're on board, blah blah blah. And, and he was like, oh, we gotta get you, um, we gotta get you to the deadness. And Willem <laughs> Dafoe was like, what? He like, I don't know if he didn't know or just forgot about it. Or he's like, yeah, we gotta get your teeth. <laughs> and he says in the documentary, he was, you know, Willem Dafoe was like, you know, the moment they pop in, it's like that's when he like becomes his character because they awesome. they just like mess with your lips, like it's just a weird thing. But um. But yeah, I, uh, I I don't know if I told you guys, but I, I actually have, I do, or I have done a um, Bobby Peru inspired burlesque routine, which is wow. pretty you funny. Have, you have, um, you played the character? I have. Oh, oh my Lord. Yeah. Minus the teeth, right? Well, no, it, it actually starts off, I do it to Wicked Game, and it starts off as like a pretty classic, like pretty, you know, dance, uh, typical burlesque number. And then it, it ends up with me and the teeth <laughs> and the... Uh, the, and pantyhose over my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to get a picture uh, of this or something. I mean, I mean, in a sense, it's, it's funny to see you get up like that. We can tease the episode with that image alone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. And I'm, work, I'm working on an alternate ending of it, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know if that happens. <laughs> yeah, you got to. Like a, Bobby... a bloody ending. Bobby Peru should live. Like No, he shouldn't. I know, but he's yeah. a, too good of a character. Like, I was almost disappointed that his head got blown off. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. In a typical movie, a villain would last to the end. Granted, he's not really the villain. Mm. He's a henchman. I know. But he stood out. Like, he was like... Yeah. He was... He was a... Vi- like, to me, he was like a-, a character who stood out more than anybody. And I almost was saddened that he died the way he did so early. Like... He okay. died near the end. He did die near the end, but I just felt like he. I wanted like um, more of the cunning, trying to do manipulate. Like, I almost feel like they should have introduced him early mm-hmm. on. Like maybe, you know, yeah. I don't know. I well, like this character. I see what you're saying because he does stand out, and he is such a great villain. Um, but if you are sticking to the whole, you know, the Wizard of Oz theory, yeah. really at the end of the day, it's the Wicked Witch, the Marietta Fortune character, who mm. is, she's really orchestrating all of this. Absolutely. Even though, yeah. Even though, like, in, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, the original movie, like, you see, like, oh, like, the flying monkeys were always, like, terrifying to me, because, you know, they just, like, came out of nowhere, and, yeah. and they were just, you know, it was just, they would just snatch you up, and you didn't know what they would do next. Yeah. And maybe Bobby Prue is that kind of character, like, you don't know what he's going to do next, whereas... Marietta has this kind of like, you know, she plays it off as this like very like innocent quality or like she's helpless. She's like this damn bone distress when she really she's just she's kind of a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In her own right. Um, she just has different ways of making these horrors happen. She she never she never actually gets the blood on her fingers. She makes other people do it. That's maybe, true. Maybe that has to do with the uh, the lipstick scene. Maybe mm. she that's like the one scene where it's like she does have blood on her hands and, and yeah. on her face mm. and even though she's never the one physically doing it she's she's more orchestrating it all that's a good point that's a good i i, I like that i liked it a lot like re- she's representing right. that she she's really the one that's the killer here 
you know, I'll end the Bobby Prue obsession. But like, not an like. I'd just be kind of cool. Like, we he got more of a, his backstory and another or just something extra. You know, I don't know. It'd be interesting. But yeah, I mean, he is fan fiction. Yeah, my fan fiction. But he was a monkey. He was a flying monkey, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. But he was a character you just wanted to see a little bit more on the screen. You know, I yeah, I did for anyway. sure. Yeah, yeah. he's just. Yeah, he's just, he's fascinating. He's, he's a great character. And Will Defoe is just a great actor. Yeah. So any, anything else on Wild at Heart? Well, I could say that Nicolas Cage, God. that was his actual jacket. That was his actual. Oh, yeah. Yes. He, bought, yeah, he bought it somewhere, yeah. like, before the movie even came about. And right. he was like, oh, maybe I can run in a movie someday. <laughs> and of course, he saw David Lynch. And David Lynch is like, yeah, sure. Right. And it's so, it's so part of his character. I mean, I can't imagine it with it not wearing that jacket. Now. Hey, that, that gives him identification. Right. <laughs> so this film, uh, it was at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, because he won the Palme d'Or right. yeah. um, with Wilder Heart, but then two years later went back with Fire Walk Me. That, that's when he was good. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Do you think his obsession with fire could have came from this movie? Because of this movie, they kept showing yeah. the fire. And it's om- there was almost like a reference to like the fire walk, you know, fire walk with me, the fire inside you, or whatever. There was kind of like a reference to yeah. that, and they would cut cutting to the house burning with mm-hmm. his her dad being burnt alive, and you find out who did it and who orchestrated yeah. it, and it kind of reminded me of the mill being burnt down. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole thing almost c- could have been a James side story in Twin Peaks. Like, I kind of felt like with his side story, like that, it was like Wild at Heart. James goes on a journey. James all grown up. James all grown up. And James finds that woman and she's got a husband and all this stuff. It kind of reminds me of this. Yeah. Great. That that was, you know, but like the fire walk with me stuff, you know? admit to you, I secretly hope that in the new Twin Peaks, there's at least one weird James side story. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Like, I don't care if it's so awkward. In fact, it should be awkward. It should be the most awkward thing ever. Just something really bizarre that has nothing to do with anything that just leads off to a place that we hope to never go to again. (laughs) Maybe maybe he'll he'll sing uh, just you you and me again or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the singing. Nicolas Cage singing and James randomly singing. It reminded me of that. Mm. So it's kind of like all these little things. Yeah. So oh, they're all like the kind of like James Dean characters, like yeah. the kind of brooding, like, oh, bad boy, but you know, bad boy with the heart of gold. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So definitely fire comes up. I mean, fire comes up later on in Lost Highway and it definitely is a reoccurring theme with, with, with yeah. David Lynch. I feel in this one, it was about the passion, you know, like, yeah. we have, we have Lola's dad who died in a fire and then we see the cigarette and there's other mm-hmm. things, but I, I look at it as that, that passion when they're making love, it's red, it turns red and yep. it seems like it's just a very hot, passionate film and there was one more um i just you 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 reminded me ben okay so did you guys notice when they lit up a cigarette sometimes the flame would be so bright it looked like a lens flare Mm -hmm. and it reminded me of when the witch turned into that little glowing Mm -hmm. ball thingy in the wizard of oz and she would Mm -hmm. appear okay they would light, light it happened a few times in the film they light up and the match was like this big glowing ball and it reminded me of yet another uh wizard of oz i totally forgot about that but when you said when they light up a cigarette yeah and yeah it was very weird it's something just a little kind of reference i guess because right. i didn't i didn't see any meaning behind it other than it looked kind of cool but yeah <laughs> so you know this is based on a book and uh 
the book loosely is, based on a book. No, it's, I mean like the, uh, yeah. Wild at Heart is based on the book. I yeah. mean, most of it stays pretty true. There's some yeah. some the Wizard of Oz course wasn't in there, but the ending is different. So there's not a happy ending. Yeah, what's the I'm ending? So they basically break up at the end of the book, yeah. and that's how it ends. And they don't get together and stuff. Oh. And so Lynch really felt like they should be together, but he was actually conflicted because he didn't want to be go all commercialized. You know, he's like, mm. oh, we're gonna have this, but he felt that that was true to the characters that they should end up together. Which I'm so happy. I mean, I think it was a pretty cool scene for them to end up together in the end. But it's interesting to know that the book does not end that way. That would have been a bummer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I even though the ending is, it's. So I think it's so wonderfully cheesy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like love it. Yeah. it wasn't cheesy to me when I first saw it. I was, cause I was young and I was just so caught up in it and I just thought it was beautiful. But I mean him, but it's, but they, it's, he, it's cheesy, but they still make it funny. Like he's got the big inflated, like, you know, <laughs> prosthetic nose on from getting beat up. And, you know, she's all excited. He's back. And he was, I just met, I just met the good witch. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like that. Cause you, that you would never just say, you know, yeah. Right on top of a car, but when would you be on top of a car singing <laughs> "Love Me Tender" to your yes. future wife? Um, uh, so I don't know. It's just so, so over the top romantic, and yeah. that really just appeals to my heartstrings. And I, I think that's why this is my favorite Lynch movie. It's and the hap- it does have a happy ending, which you know is nice every once in a while. If you if you know every single movie is going to end up one way or the other, yeah, it's interesting. It's like you you need to mix it up every once in a while. Like you, I think uh, Blue Velvet has like a fake happy ending mm. it's like you know what i mean it's like oh it's like oh the robins will come back and everyone's happy and everything's cleaned up and we can forget about everything that just happened mm. except that then you hear the reprise of uh blue velvet and isabella rossellini and even though she has her son back it's like you can tell like she's never going to forget mm. all the horrible things that have happened to her like that will haunt her for the rest of her life and that that brings the darkness back in but Wilder Heart is just like, oh, yay, they end up together and they have a baby and it's yeah. so cute. <laughs> I agree. But, I, it's, but yeah. I still love it. <laughs> I do too. I feel like it's the happiest ending to a Lynch film. I was, I, As you were talking, I, was like, I can't remember yeah. any film ending happier. And I, I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. And I yeah. actually love that. So Lola's there with Sailor you know, on the car and she actually turns and they don't show the sun, but she turns and is clearly looking at him. And I think that's a sweet moment where yeah. she's like, okay, we're all together. We're yeah. all together be a family and another another director would have cut to the sun and he would have smiled and been all sweet and yeah, he would have yeah. had it, but it was just subtle and sweet and yeah, i loved it i yeah. agree and overall i i liked it i mean i thought it was a, it was uh an interesting movie it was a fun movie it, um fun not like a you know you know what i'm saying like it was it was, it, was, it, was a road trip. it was entertaining yeah. um and it had yeah. interesting characters and it was cool and i have to say when I was a kid, my first introduction to Laura Dern was Jurassic Park. Hmm. So then I was uh-huh. like, what the fr- <laughs> This is Laura Dern I didn't know existed. Right. And it was like mm-hmm. uh, a different Laura Dern. I, I grew up, Laura Dern was Jurassic Park woman, you know? That I only remember her mostly from those films. I mean, overall, I really liked it. Like, I have not, I mean, yeah. I think I like this might, I mean, I'm watching these films with Ben, just so you know. The only one I've only seen was Lost Highway when I was a teenager. So mm-hmm. we, we watched Mulholland Drive and Firewalk With Me. And I consider Firewalk With Me part of Twin Peaks, so not a standalone. I would consider that... Right. I would I would almost say I like almost enjoyed this more than Mulholland Drive. Maybe because it was a little bit more straightforward, but I enjoyed the characters more. Mulholland Drive is like, it's deep. 
and there's good characters in that. But I almost enjoy the um, the free spirit, you know, the the uh, entertainment value in this one more. Yeah, it's hard to tell right now. Like, but. Yeah, I think Mulholland Drive. Like, if I was gonna say like to like a film student, I'd be like yeah. watch Mulholland Drive and like study it because yeah. it's exceptional. Um, but there's like a certain sleekness to it. And maybe, maybe it's because it's, it's in Hollywood and it's really trying to like, it's using all those like traditional, like neo-noir, uh, or noir, uh, tropes, that's but true. It's, it's so smooth and which is great. And that's, I think that's why it appeals to so many people, but I, I kind of love, and this just appeals to my sensibility. I love while they're hard and these other movies because there's like a trashiness to it like even the snakeskin mm. jacket and it's kind of yeah. like parts of it are like a little campy and like over the top and just like kind of garish but that i like that stuff so yeah. <laughs> even like isabella rosalini's character Perdita durango um you know she's got like the roots and the like kind of bad bleach blonde mm. hairdo that you know not the right shade for her and like the unibrow and <laughs> yeah. but i don't know i just i love that i love it just like these quirky characters yeah to me that's more interesting yeah i i I, I totally agree now this was lynch's what i want to say fifth like major full-length film see a part of me would love to watch these all in order and to watch him grow and see the references Mm. but we're we're doing anniversaries which is fine it works out but this Mm -hmm. one i really because we finished twin peaks it's like I, i i like seeing a director um grow and almost see how they take different ideas and inject them to other projects mm-hmm. and i could already see this with twin peaks and mahan uh, drive firewalk with me or mm-hmm. whatever so it's kind of cool i saw this in this order twin peaks and now this and i kind of uh, that's interesting to me i really like seeing the way a director will will use an idea that might not hit in one movie tweak it and mm-hmm. put it in a different film and it works great yeah. and or mm-hmm. you know references and stuff so um oh yeah it was really good yeah and for me i feel like it was like 22 years ago that i i may have first saw this i didn't see it in theaters i probably saw it when i got into college and uh, maybe 94 or something like that and for me it was like so hard to watch because it was like it was violent <laughs> there, was, there was there was a lot of sex and yeah. just i mean i was i don't know <laughs> i mean i'm prude i don't know but i was at the time it was so hard and it's like oh but at the same time there was parts i loved i loved the wizard of oz stuff i loved the ending yeah but i remember being really hard to watch and now now i watch it and it's like oh yeah i can appreciate this more and i i, I enjoy it a lot more but i remember back then it was like oh this is hard to watch yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I told you guys before the podcast, but I tried to watch this when my girlfriend was sleeping, and let's just say, <laughs> I mean, it was hard because she was like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Oh, it's Wild Heart." It has Nicolas Cage and Lauren Dern. And she's she's like, not watching oh. the TV, right? She's not, she, her back is turned, and she's trying to fall asleep. It's like ten o'clock at night or ten thirty at night, and uh, you know, she's she's got to work in the morning. I I can take it easy a little bit, so I'm watching it, and uh, you know. A lot of sailor. She's like, could you turn it down? Why are they yelling? So I turn it down. I put the, the <laughs> captioning on because uh, I couldn't even hear it. The TV's far away from right. the bed. So I can't hear it. And then all of a sudden you hear the mo- She's like, what are you, what, what's going on? I'm like, well, they're having sex. And then 10 <laughs> minutes later, she's like, are they having sex again? Yes. yes. <laughs> and she's like, how many times are they going to have sex? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and then it kept cutting to the mom. And then... I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's loud music cues hmm. um, between when they do the flashbacks. It would just be a loud crash, like a loud, 
like almost screech and yeah it happened so many times and yeah yeah i mean they, it was i think yeah. someone was someone was even talking about how in the the screening at can they uh the person who was running the film like you know the all the the french people who worked at can were like wait is this a mistake this is so loud yeah and they're like no no it's supposed to be this loud and they're like what they didn't understand <laughs> but even like that beginning like the intro like with the the opening credits like mm. bam it's in your face yeah and that's actually i meant to bring this up that's another thing that i think is different about this lynch film compared to a lot of other lynch films where like if you see like if you talk about like lost highway uh even firewalk with me or mohan drive like there's there's almost like a 20 to 30 minute period in the beginning of the mil- the films where like nothing is happening or you mm. think nothing's happening it's so slow moving that you're almost like, what is going on? You mm. think it's made, if, if you haven't seen a Lynch film before, you're like, oh God, this is going to be boring. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it picks up on a, as a, at a much faster pace and everything is pulled in together. But this movie starts off with a bang. It's just like mm. literally a, like a bang. Like there's the fire, there's loud opening credits, and there's a murder, like literally in the first scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, or manslaughter, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't exaggerate. <laughs> yeah, he, he's protecting himself. Uh, and you wonder if it's yeah. that way because it's it's based on the book. Like, does the book start that way? Is is Lynch confined because you already have um, a narrative kind of set out? You know, like you already have mm. the book kind of telling the story. I agree with you, though. It's interesting that it does start It off, is very loud. Yeah. And there's a lot. It's like yeah. the mixing is, it's like, it's very different from because it's like not soothing with the music or whatever, but it just like, it goes from a quiet, to allow to these music mm-hmm. cues that will go, go in between scenes that are very startling. And it's very interesting because mm-hmm. Mulholland Drive was not like that musically. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. It's very jarring. I think Fire Walk with Me would be like yeah. that. We'd have the, yes. the we'd have the pink room and you'd have other ro- places that would be loud. That's true. And- but like this was like, like yeah. in a lot of screaming. Sailor. Sailor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's also, yeah, because a lot of my favorite Lynch films have, like, these really spectacular soundtracks. I mean, I love them all. I love, mm. like, the moody songs, too. But, yeah, Wild at Heart and even, like, Lost Highway has, like, a very, like, intense, there's, like, a very, like, mm. rock and or even metal uh, influence to the mm. soundtrack. So yeah. I think that definitely, you know, gives it an overall different kind of feel than, say, like, Mulholland Drive. That's true, yeah. more like, it's got, like, a little, it's a little bit more j- jazzier, a little bit more... His his movies kind of yeah like the music it fits well because this movie was a little bit rock and roll metal ish yeah feel to it and like Lost Highway the same thing so I think it it fits it it fits it but it it was jarring for me try to watch this and have someone sleep trying to fall asleep next to you is doesn't work well then you you, 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 (laughs) then you lost power so I lost power you weren't able to get to finish my girlfriend's like thank God go to bed. Uh, and then I watched it the next day, and luckily it was you know six in the afternoon. I, I actually went back and kind of almost watched rewatched the whole beginning part yeah. and everything, and so I had a more enjoyable experience watching it in the daytime. <laughs> so I can actually hear what they were saying yeah. and yeah. don't have to worry about audio issues. But very entertaining. Yeah. I do I do feel bad for all the uh, the significant others of the people who are obsessed with Lynch movies, <laughs> like including my own. You know, they have to put up with so much. I mean. 
Yeah. You know, they have to listen to this, like the repeat. Like, why do you, why do you have to watch Twin Peaks every single year? Right. <laughs> like yeah. in, in its entirety. Yeah. I really, <laughs> There's so many new TV yeah. shows out. Nope. Nope. I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. And like Allison's like, well, what is this? My girlfriend's like, what, is, what, what was that movie all about? Why did And I, I'm trying to explain it to her. <laughs> you say it's about Wizard of Oz. That's what I did. <laughs> and then I kept going. She's just like, oh my God. You got all that from all that screaming? That's just says to me. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And then I just kept talking at her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned it to my wife. I said to her, uh, "It's like, oh, we're going to be uh, talking about Wild at Heart." It's like, it's like I'm sure you made me see that movie. She couldn't remember the movie, but it's like I, I know you you made me see all this all this stuff. And she actually likes Twin Peaks and yeah, she likes Lana yeah. Lynch and stuff, but she couldn't remember it. But she said, "I know, I know you've made me watch yeah. it probably 20 years, years ago. ago." Yeah. Well, cool. I think is there anything else we missed that we wanted to cover? I mean, I think we we talked a lot about. Yeah, I I think uh, Francine, anything oh, we God. missed you could think of? I mean, probably. Uh, just I don't know. There's some there's some great quotes in this movie. Definitely, uh, definitely. Bobby. Oh, there's one of my favorites. Uh, Bobby Prue drinking uh, Jack Daniels, and he goes, "Speaking of Jack, one eye Jack yearning to go peeping in a seafood store." <laughs> oh yes, oh. and then I thought of one eye Jacks, and then I went, "That's what that means." <laughs> Yep, and then I—that yep. was another Twin there's Peaks some, reference. Gems. And what? Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. One Eye Jacks doesn't exist at this point in Twin Peaks universe, it, does it? Well, well, maybe, maybe in does. David Lynch's brain, or maybe, yeah. maybe in a script. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the, it, I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was in the pilot or I not. Was believe one I believe so? I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, because One Eye Jacks, and then he says that, and I'm right. like, oh, he's referencing his. Dick. Right. And now one eye jacks is now what he's thinking about Bobby Peru. But it was kind of a cool connection. Yeah. That there you go. Like yeah. you know, one eye jacks is a bra. I mean, it all makes right. sense now. It's kind of cool. And talking about the timeline of Twin Peaks, so he he finished production by the I think by the fourth episode of Twin Peaks when it was airing, he had finished production. Oh. So it's funny oh, how okay. we always talk about how oh Lynch was around for the first season but not the second season. It seems like he wasn't around for at least the beginning of the first season, and then he came back and he was doing his episodes and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's interesting to see his timeline. And then the movie comes out that following summer after the first season of wow. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Thank you for saying that quote, Francine, because that's a quote that stood out for me. I totally <laughs> forgot about it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely stands out. Yeah. That was definitely good. So anything else? I, I, should we wrap it up? I, I, I think we... I mean, we can come back in another anniversary next year. <laughs> the 27th anniversary. God, I know. I mean, I, I feel like he, we could do an entire episode like on one quirky character. Like we could yeah. talk about like Jingle Dale or like Mr. Reindeer forever. But, yes. but yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we we touched upon a lot of it. So. Yeah. So Francine, what are you up to? Uh, is there any events coming up? Yeah, I'm actually really, speaking of anniversaries, I'm really excited that we are going to be, the it's the Pink Room David Lynch Burlesque, and we're going to be doing a burlesque tribute to Mulholland Drive mm, nice. at Parkside Lounge on Saturday, October 8th, which happens to be the 15-year anniversary of Mulholland Drive's release. Ah, I like that anniversary. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that, cool. That is awesome. Wow. And how can people get a yeah. hold of you on social media? Best way you can follow uh, the Pink Room Burlesque or it's uh, Pink Room Burley Q on Twitter, or you can follow me directly, uh, Francine D uh, for Francine the Lucid Dream on Twitter. Cool. Nice. And yeah. you can follow us at Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Twitter, 
Ben's uh, always Twin Peaks Unwrap. Yeah, Unwrap. Ben's always on there. And you're um, on Facebook. Twin Peaks Unwrap. We're over 200 likes. Uh, we're getting more every day. And, and there's a lot um, happening there. It seems a lot of people are talking, and it's talking, talk happening in place. Yeah. Talk, happen in place. Yeah. Um, I've been posting stuff. Twin, if you see Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Reddit, um, I'm on Twin Peaks Forum all the time, getting some discussions going. And then you can send us an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. And if you have a audio like recording of yourself... Uh, you can email it to us, e- audio feedback. Audio me. feedback. We're going back in the days. Francine, do you remember when like people would send like audio, like record, like Google phone? Google phone existed, right? And you could call this number and leave people <laughs> voicemails. And the, like, it's weird. Nobody does that anymore. So we're, we're bringing it back. I don't, I don't even know what that is. The only thing I ever get is like, I, she for the Dark Lord who hosts most of the Pink Room shows. Uh, I don't, he, he leaves weird cassette tapes for me sometimes that's awesome. strange recorded messages wow. uh that's how i get my uh audio weird messages that's, cool. that's days, awesome so. like that. it's like laura it's like laura and jacoby yes yeah, just leaving <laughs> weird tape i had a dream yeah Francie. he even he even he even delivers them to me in uh coconut yeah i'm <laughs> not joking that is awesome <laughs> i want somebody to leave me a tape in a coconut you can mail coconut <laughs> tapes to us at p.o box no. yes <laughs> uh, we should set up a p.o box just for yeah, that yeah, yeah uh that would be really cool um and i, I think that's it for yeah. today and we'll yeah. see, see you guys next week and thank you francine thank for you, being francine. on that was so good to have you yeah nice talking to you guys again so good to talk about one of my favorite movies david called me and said i have this part for you um i I want to hang you from the air 50 feet above the ground. How do you feel about heights? Well, I'm like, if I got on a ladder, I would pass out. But I was not about to tell David Lynch that. Right. So I said, oh, fine, fine, no problem. So then the next thing I know, I've got this airbag underneath me with this, um, you know, stunt team. And I'm 60 feet above the ground by a crane, sort of with my magic wand, just saying. Do you think you'll ever get a chance to do any acting? <laughs> <laughs> not if I keep working for David. Yeah, I mean, you're just...